Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Information desk. And so, yeah, so we're talking about Jesus this month. We are. It's all about Jesus. We're going to talk about him. Next week, we're going to, the title of my message is, How Would Jesus Vote? So, <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to miss that. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. I, um, I actually had a, uh, I had my hearing tested this week, and um, it turns out, that, you know, I'm normal, 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 and it drops off, so I'm unable to hear female voices. <laughs> that just explains it. She, she can't help me with the uh, selective hearing. She said I can't help with that, but we can help with that other part. And, uh, but but um, I, love, I love what my wife has to say all the time. Um, um, the, there was a, um, we just want to tell a story I heard a couple of weeks ago about a janitor at a a girl's uh, school, and um, they would, they were, when they'd put their lipstick on, then they'd kiss the mirror, and um, he was, couldn't, had so much trouble cleaning that off, he invited the girls in to the washroom, and he said, this is creating a lot of work for me, so I just want to show you how much work it takes for me to clean your lipstick off the, off the mirrors, and so he took a rag, and he put it in the toilet. (laughs) Solved the problem. Um, when, I, when I think about the, um, our, our topic this month, I think about Easter, um, most of you will know that Easter is not a, it's an extra biblical term. Uh, the term is not, it's not a scriptural term. Easter is from the, from the fertility goddess, the Assyrian or Babylonian fertility goddess, Ishtar. And so when we say it's Ishtar, Easter time, um, and her, her thing was, you know, fertility, and that's why we have eggs and uh, little bunnies as symbols, has zero to do with Christianity, the eggs um, and the bunnies specifically, uh, we've tried to redeem that a bit. Constantine did a little flip on that, and uh, we used now that season for celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Th- this is what we we're told to celebrate as a church, is his death, burial, and resurrection. I know we make a big thing at Christmas, but Easter is our time. So um, just pray that we get the right, you know, the words right and things right, and that many come to know Christ. Um, our specific passion is reaching uh, and discipling people for Christ. So um, it'd be great if on, on um, Easter we could just fill our services up and um, the people could hear about the great, the great news of the gospel. I wanted to follow up a little bit on last week about um, lots of people were commenting on the message. And, um, you know, uh, the purpose of, of when we study scripture the purpose, and, and I would say Jesus' um, purpose, is not so we can understand the scripture, so much as, as it is, how does this apply to our life? The Lord's very interested in, in, in you not just studying so that you have a good answer for somebody, but so that you can translate that into your life. And the, the word needs to become flesh in our life. And last week when we talked about the process or the phases of faith, uh, I've continued to think about that quite a bit because when you come up to a circumstance in your life, uh, really what gets revealed is who you are. 
And it also reveals your, how you view God in your life. And so when you meet a circumstance, you actually are internally challenged by, then who is God for me in this situation? And who am I in this situation? It becomes an identity issue. And uh, it's a significant thing for us because we're going to have issues and circumstances in this world that are going to confront us. And we need to know how we're going to respond to difficult situations or trying situations. And we're all, we're all, all of us are faced with those at, at any time. And, and so we have to actually get a fresh understanding of how practical faith can be in our life. And so when I'm faced with a, a circumstance, and I mean, when we think of Easter, like what worse could happen? Like God dies. It's a pretty big problem. But, you know, we looked at that story about the storm and, um, and, and our, my specific um, um, purpose was to reveal to you that God is not the one that creates storms in your life. He's the one that calms the storms in your life. It's nowhere in scripture that he created a disaster to bring out some character in people. There's no play. I mean, he can redeem, he can take a situation that's difficult or impossible and help, you know, bring, bring discipline, understanding, and whatever. But you don't see Jesus doing that. You don't see, you see Jesus, actually the term he used was he rebuked the storm, which is the same term he used in confronting the devil. So why would he have to use that same term? It's because he didn't perceive that storm came from his father, but it came from the prince of darkness. And so we need to have an image and a revelation of who Jesus is to build our life. That's how lives are built. That's how the church is built, and the church is made of people. Your life is built on a revelation of Jesus. Who do you say that I am? He asked his disciples, a handful of them. The question is, who do you say that he is? My, my specific word to you today is, who is Jesus to you in your current situation? And, and I, um, as I thought about that um, more and more, I, um, I was thinking about how faith work, functionally works in our life is very much the same as if I were trying to, or if my father was trying to get something to me as a son, and how would he do that? And so if he were to, let me just illustrate our, how faith works, how I see faith working, uh, to be something like this, is my dad would call and say, son, I have something for you. Well, what happens right away is in that moment is I need to discern, does my father want to give me something good? Or has he got something nasty he's trying to give me? So if my dad called, I'm not sure about your dad, I'm going to use, use mine, but my dad uh, was a good dad. And your heavenly dad is a good dad. And he can only give good things to you. Don't let anybody say, it says in James, when you're tef- tested or tried or, or uh, tempted, that, that God's doing that. Because the only, he can only give good gifts. So when your, dad, when your heavenly daddy says, I have something for you, you have to believe that he's got something that's good for you. So how does he get something good to you? Because, because what grace has made available for us is only accessed by faith. So that's why faith is such an important part of our life, is that's how we, get, that's how we receive the things that grace has provided for us. Salvation, for example, is by grace through faith. You're not saved just by grace. You're not saved just by faith. You're saved by grace through faith, right? That's how it works. And so there's a part that God does, and there's a part that you do. And so if my father, so it says in uh, Hebrews 11, we read the first three verses. The second verse says, and by faith, the elders received a good report. 
What, what, what might that mean? I, 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 I suspect it would mean something like the information that they were getting, the report that they were getting, was they were getting good information. <laughs> they were getting a good report. And so if my father says to me, I've got something for you, Lorne, and it's red, my instant association would be he's got a Camaro for me. And if not, it's a red Silverado because he only has good things, which means Chevrolet. <clears throat> he definitely doesn't have a Ford for me. Uh, but just follow along with me because he, and if he says, and it's full of gas. So I go, well, it could be, you know, a Harley. They don't, they're not, mm, it's probably Camaro and he's got something good for me. Oh, so far, this is invisible. So far, there's been no transaction take place. There's only information that my father's got something for me. And when we read about the things that God has provided for us in Christ, and one of the purposes Jesus came was to reveal the Father. When we see that he's provided things for us in Christ, that doesn't mean we're experiencing them yet. Because we experience them by faith. Now here's a problem. We try to reduce our theology to our current experience rather than rise our experience up to, our, to the biblical standards. So you have to be, be perfectly comfortable with being wrong. Are you okay with being wrong? Few people like being wrong. That's a form of death. But Jesus said we're to take up our cross. We're supposed to die to some things so that we can get a hold of some things. Are you, okay, are you okay with being wrong? Because otherwise your current experience is the best it's going to get unless you're willing to s surrender that for something better. So you have to be okay with repenting, saying, okay, my image of you is not big enough. My ideas of you and your, my, the things that you want from me, I actually have to increase those in my thinking. And then my experience will measure up to that. So if my father says, I've got something red for you, it's full of gas, come and pick it up, I still am not experiencing it. Do you hear what I'm saying? I still don't have the experience of the Camaro. But I've got a promise, and it's based on my, my view of what my father is like. So if you don't see God as being good and having good things for you, you'll be suspicious, which is not a spiritual gift. Suspicion. <laughs> so you'll wonder, does he, okay, so even, I can say to you over and over and over again, that God wants good things for you, until you experience them, it, you'll be a little bit suspect. So where are they? <laughs> well, they're accessible by faith, which means I have to believe, first of all, that he has something good for me, and then what'll start to happen after that, so once I believe that, I'll begin to think about it. My thinking will begin to change. That's right. You know, it's about time I had a, I per personally would like a 67 Camaro, Hope it's a 67. I like those new ones. I like the 67s. And I would start to think about that, and eventually I would start to talk like that. It would become part of my vocabulary. And my actions then would add up to and be correspondent with what James says, faith without a corresponding action is useless. That's what he says. So there has to be a corresponding action for us to acquire by faith what Christ has purchased for us by grace. And so then I say to my wife, I say, just drop me off, honey. Uh, I'm going to, dad's got something for me. I'll drive that home. You don't need to worry about a thing. I'm going to be just fine. And at which point she drops me off. And at which point I get to drive the Camaro with the big block, not the little puny block, the big one. 
So here, so that, I'm just saying about how faith works, but it has such an important connection to how we see Christ. It, it, this is so critical in our development and our access to what he's provided for you and I by grace. Because the cross then becomes a doorway for you and I to receive that. So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 1. So I'm, t- I'm taking 10 minutes, and then I'm going to let Pastor Phil take 10 minutes. At, because he's, he, I'd like to, it's really important that when my leader says he's got a word for our church, I want us all to hear it. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 and 19, kind of. It says, I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road of destruction. So if someone says to you, the cross doesn't make sense to me, you, can t- you, you know the path that they're on. Because to the world, the cross is foolishness. But it says that for us who are being saved, recognize this message as the very power of God. The cross, and the message of the cross, which, we, which Easter is about. The message of the cross is not foolishness. It's just about a different king and a different kingdom. Diedrich Bonhoeffer in his uh, memoir said that a king who dies on a cross... Uh, is a king of a strange kingdom indeed. The, the, the kingdom of God is a strange kingdom. It's a different kingdom. If you were to come as a, as a, as a king to take over a region or an area, you would probably use different tactics than a cross. If, if you were part of a branding organization and you said, we need a symbol that's going to last for 2,000 years that'll tell the whole story about what I'm about, it's unlikely that you'd use a tool of execution. Unlikely. That, as, a, as an image, branding professionals would say, not a good choice. But he was a king of a different kingdom. Why did he come? He came, like Pastor Tim had said, it says, so that we could go through this transaction and the very thing that we wanted the most, eternal life, he actually, and the thing that we deserved the most was death. He took on death so that we could experience the things that only he deserved, which was eternal life. This, trans- this is the power of the cross, and it's transactional, and it's, and it's the access point for you and I into this great life. So one of the reasons he came, specifically, first of all, he came to reveal the Father, John 14 and verse 9. He came to solve that problem. The, secondly, the second reason, I just want to suggest to you, um, the reason that, that he came, well, the second was to give his life as a sacrifice. The, the, the third one was he, he came to provide a new and a living way for you and I. So, wh- so why did he come? He, 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 he offered to us a completely new ecosystem, a new, a new domain in which we could function, but it's going to require faith on our part. This new and living way would require that, we, that he go. He said, it's better that I go so then I can send the comforter and the teacher who would lead you now further and teach you. And I often think what a strange thing that the Holy Spirit's a comforter, but after being through a number of years of following Christ, I realize it's a complete off-road experience. And as a comforter, that's very helpful. You know, if you don't know you need him as the comforter yet, you haven't found those bumpy roads. They're coming and he'll comfort you. Maybe you need to know him as the comforter in this season. Uh, but he sent the Holy Spirit. And, he, and then it says that um, in Romans uh, 5, oh, yeah, I've already shared that. He came to destroy the works of the devil, the evil one. One of his purposes was to completely uproot the powers of darkness. And then we're told 
in Colossians chapter 2, which will be my last point, it says in verse 13, you were dead because of your sins and because you were of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins and he canceled the record that contained the charges against you. you there's no record of any charges against you in heaven's courts. He canceled them all. And it says that he took those, those accusations against you and he destroyed them by nailing it to Christ's cross. We have to understand when we're to take up our cross, we do not take up Christ's cross. <laughs> My, he's the one that forgave the sin. He's the one that bore the punishment of death. He's the one that went to Hades. He's the one that did that. My cross is different, but I do have a cross. So he says, and he, in this way, God disarmed the evil rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. One of the reasons he, that he came is so that he could display his victory over the powers of darkness. If you were to look at a cosmic scale about who has this, this, this light and darkness uh, c conflict that's taking place, um, one of the reasons he came, and you'd look and you'd go, well, who won? Because it doesn't look like he did that well. <laughs> And his, all of his followers were completely discouraged and they were completely disappointed with the outcome. But they didn't know that in a couple of days he promised that that's all going to change and we were going to have Easter morning and resurrection was about to take place. The cross is not for the resurrected man. The cross is for the old man. And you'd like to think that he no longer has authority in your life. May I just suggest to you that you give yourself an honest evaluation. You found there's lots of carnal, ungodly, unhealthy thoughts in our life. Any thought that doesn't line up with the thoughts that Jesus has about you is not helpful. So the last, as I finish this, he provided a new living way. And he said, unless I go, he will not be able to come. And, and he then, as he left, he sent the beautiful, mighty, powerful Holy Spirit. Uh, I am just so grateful that our movement is a spirit-powered movement. And while we would love to say how we celebrate Jesus, the, uh, Jesus is now in a place of ascension, but he sent one like him. He said, he'll be, and he'll be with you. His name is the Holy Spirit, and you can quench him, and you can grieve him. That's what you can do. But he's the, only, he's the power and our access to the kingdom of God. And in our movement, we have, we have a high belief in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so our leader is going to share with us now a 10-minute message on what he believes to be the season that we're entering into as a movement. And it's really important you listen closely. In January this year, the Lord spoke very clearly to my wife, and, she, and he said this to her, it's a new day, and it's time for new things. And so his word for us is about the new day and about new things. I want you to listen closely as our apostolic leader, Pastor Phil Pringle, shares with you a word for our church. Hey, C3 family, what a pleasure it is to be speaking with you today in our church services all around the world. I wanted to share with you something that I believe is very important from God to our congregations and to our churches everywhere in the world today. We are moving into a new day with new oil at a new level and with new wine. I believe that there is new things that God is bringing in upon us that will cause us to expand, become bigger people, discover greater levels of the power of God and of the blessings of heaven coming on our lives. Let me read this passage to you. Luke 5, 37. No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine 
will burst the wineskins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. This is a fascinating piece of humanity where we, we ache for the old. We get sentimental and nostalgic and we think the old was better. But God wants to create momentum in our lives, which means going from one moment where we maximize that moment, take advantage of it, make the full opportunity of a moment that God gives us. And then that will give us traction into the next moment. And life is a string of moment, moments which creates the word momentum. As we keep stepping out, we will find that the power of God is with us. Never does God do anything without actually engaging you and I in the process. So for us to go to new levels, we need to take the step of faith. Jesus didn't say to the gentleman who had been sick for 38 years, hey, just stay there. Healing's going to come. He said, stand up, pick up your bed and walk. And as, as he did that, that thought had never entered his head before. He was thinking, I'm going to get healed by another way. But as soon as Jesus said that, he discovered new wine. He got a new structure in his thinking. I can walk. And when he decided to take that step of faith, he found new wine, the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. You don't find Jesus saying to the blind guy, just stay there, healing's going to come. He says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. To the 10 lepers, he didn't say, just hang over there, guys. Healing's coming to you if you just stay where you are. When we are stuck, we will find not a lot happens. But getting unstuck means we'll hear God, we take a step and move into our future. I believe all around C3, we are seeing changes. We are seeing momentum. We are seeing people get traction as we take steps of faith and move into a new day with new wine, new revival, and a new fresh power from heaven coming upon us. As we, as we gain momentum, one of the, the great benefits of stepping out is discovering the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I in our congregations, we need to host the Holy Spirit. We need to remember that why we gather is so that we can worship. And I would like to think that every one of us are front-footed, leaning into that worship moment in our church services. I would like to believe that we would grow from our around 100 to 120,000 people in church on every Sunday to there being a million worshipers in the house of God, just as a goal for you and I as C3 congregations, that there'll come a Sunday in the future, in the not too far distant future, where there are a million worshipers in our congregations all around the world. And the reason I say worshipers is because I know that that is the environment, that is the atmosphere, that is the action of God's people that invokes the presence of God, that houses the God of heaven and earth, that hosts the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says, I want you to stir up the gift that is in you. Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, I'm reminding you to stir up that gift that God has put on the inside of you. And when we stir up that gift, 
in 2 Timothy 1.6, when we stir that gift up, we will find that the Holy Spirit is that gift and it manifests in some supernatural way. I believe with all my heart that we are in an age and a time where people in the world are searching for answers that are supernatural, not just natural. And I also believe that church people are getting bored and tired with doing church the way we've always done it. There is a new fresh element that we need to be reminded to stir up the Holy Spirit. Now, when I say we need to be open to hosting the Spirit of God in our services, that means there may be a need for us to create new wineskins for new wine. In our congregation, I've told our people, we're having longer services, people, because we shorten them to try and accommodate for people's time-poor, busy lives. But I found no one really clapped when I said that. But when I told them recently, we're having longer church services, people, so that we can linger longer in the presence of God. Not so I can preach longer, but so that we can actually spend more time soaking in the presence of God, letting His Spirit fill our lives. Now, that doesn't mean we're just every service, we're going to go on for hours and hours or anything. It just means I wanted people to have a new wineskin thinking and actually structure ourselves with our children's ministry, with our serving people, with our volunteers, so that everybody would be on the page. Everybody was applauding, saying, yes, we're hungry for God. There is a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Spirit and for the outpouring of God's presence in every heart right around the world, especially in the church. This is a really great sign. That hunger and thirst means that God is planning on visiting us in an unprecedented way to take us all up a level, to take us into new realms. And so Paul says to Timothy, I remind you, because we forget. He said, I remind you to stir up or fan into flame, literally is what it means, the gift that is within you. Now, Jude, he says, you will do this. You will stir up your faith. You will build up your faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. And that means speaking in tongues. That means speaking in a heavenly language. Stir up that gift And as you unlock that, you will tune your spirit to hear the voice of God. You will cause life to come into your inner man. And as you stir up a gift that you have not been using, maybe such as prophecy or helps or giving or evangelism, every single one of us in our congregations, as we stir up the gift that God has given us, we will find that that is the most exciting and encouraging and nourishing thing we can do for our spiritual life. Jesus says, my food, my nourishment is to do the will of Him who sent me. So when every one of us in our congregation say, yeah, I'm putting my hand up to serve with my gift, with what I can do. I can greet people. I can help count things. I can, I can be a car park attendant. I can serve in any area. When we stir up that gift, we will find ourselves actually feeling revival on the inside. We'll find a fire coming in. Now, Paul says it again to Timothy. In 1 Timothy 4.14, he says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy. 
with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So impartation comes through prophecy, through ministry, through the laying on of hands, and gifts can be imparted into people's lives. And he is saying, don't neglect that gift. Don't be looking at other people's gifts and saying, oh, I wish I could, I could do what they do. You've got a gift. Some people have the gift of cooking, hospitality. There are other people who don't. <laughs> and you, know, you don't want to be eating the food of the people who can't cook. But, but some people, they can welcome people into their homes, provide meals, help at church. Never underestimate the power of hospitality to win people into the kingdom and to establish them in the house of God. Every one of us have a gift. I'm believing that as we become worshipers who house and host the Holy Spirit, we will find that we stir up the gifts that are on the inside of every single one of us and that by that gift, we will cause great growth, great expansion in the church and great revival in our people. Let me pray for you as I close. Father, I pray for the great gift of the Holy Spirit to be filling every single one of our members, every single person who's in the house of God, every single attender, every guest, every worshiper, so that, Lord, we would experience the fullness of being God's people on planet Earth today in Jesus' name. God bless you. Look forward to talking with you again soon. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I feel pretty good word, huh? It's pretty good. I was just reading and meditating on the passage in Romans chapter 9, sorry, Numbers chapter 9. It says, and they did whatever the Lord told them through Moses. It's, it's a very humbling and inefficient way of getting his word across is through, through a person. <laughs> uh, we don't always get it right. I'm just, I'm just very convinced that Pastor Phil's got it right. As my leader, uh, we, and as, a, uh, as part of the C3 movement, um, I'm just saying that we will come under this word. How is that gonna work? I don't exactly know, but I feel that this is a very specific word for a people, in a, a, a city that's hungry for the presence of God. And so we are going to somehow respond to this in the days ahead. Of course, you know about the three other campuses we'd like to plant in the next four years and what have you, because our goal is to reach more and disciple more. But in the meantime, we ask the Lord, how do we do it? When do we do it? And I think Pastor Phil was so right. We stir up the gift that's within us. So why don't you just stand with me this morning, and I'm going to ask you to do something we haven't done. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.